0: Welcome to Energy Radio, a podcast by CEM Engineering. Welcome to this episode of Energy Radio. This is episode twenty in our podcast, and today I'm joined by David McMillan of uh, City of Toronto. You are a, a program manager in the Environmental and Energy Division, is that right? That's right. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank um, you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. It's um, it's from a different perspective, I think, than we've had so far on the show. So I'm really keen to. Um, get your perspective on what you guys are doing but also I think we've done a little bit of background on you and we're meeting for the first time today but I have this sense that you have a passion for you know what we're gonna talk about so uh, I think passion whether it's the video or it's the the, the audio on a podcast passion comes through so Mm -hmm. um, maybe just give us a brief intro of how do you get here your background in this space what, you know, what brings you from, you know, growing up to to here, um, and a bit about your role, and then we'll Mm -hmm. kind of launch into the topics, if that's okay.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, my undergrad was in applied sciences, and uh, sort of around fourth year, I was studying uh, genetic engineering of bacteria to produce hydrogen, Okay, and I was getting really into the idea of you know, combining sort of environmental, you know, the environmental benefits of applied science. And they got me down this path of renewables and, and technology. And so after graduating, not wanting to work in the lab for a bit, working a couple of part-time jobs, I decided to go back and get my master's in urban planning. Okay. It seemed like a practical way to kind of put my passion for energy into practice. Um, and I've always been really interested in sort of city building and urbanism. Okay. So went back, did my master's, and about partway through I I did a study, uh, an internship essentially in Germany at a university in Stuttgart, and they were doing community energy planning sort of years ahead of where we were in Ontario. And so I I took that experience really and tried to bring it back here as best as I could and found the right timing to work at the city of Toronto, and we've been doing that for the last five years essentially.
0: Good for you. Undergrad in science, through that you realize you have a passion for energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you take that, you add, I would say add to it, you augment it with your um, kind of planning mm-hmm. perspective. And then you add to it again with with your European experience, mm-hmm. is that, that a fair kind of building yeah. of your, your resume. And It's interesting. I've done a lot of work with European technology providers, particularly biogas, and so we've you know, our roots are back in Europe and we've always held that notion that they're kind of ahead of us, but you you saw that as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I was getting some first-hand experience working with a, a team of, so they're at a university, but they were doing some very practical work Okay. In actually sort of designing mostly district energy systems for uh, small, small cities sort of around Stuttgart. Um, Anchored by you know biomass plants right in the right in the urban center and I kind of I looked at that and I thought why aren't we doing this you know locally in Ontario and there was you know there's obviously a number of reasons that I've come to understand yeah but I mean it's clearly not a technology problem okay um you know they've been doing this for a long time in in Germany and I thought we need to at least be thinking along this approach you know local energy systems and well, let's
0: unpack that for yeah. a minute that that so. Wh- Give me an example of like what's a comparable city in terms of size. So you said it was small cities around Stuttgart yeah. that are putting in D- district energy DE around biomass. Mm-hmm. Like, is this a, a Burlington-sized city? Is it a um, Fergus or you know Aurora? Like, wh- what's the what's the comparable? Yeah, I would say Burlington
1: Burlington's probably a good example. Okay. They have, I, I forget the, the population numbers, but they have, you know, a downtown core, right? And, you know, most European cities, they don't have the, the higher, taller buildings, but it's quite dense. Yes. Surrounded by what you'd see here, right? But more dense versions of our suburbs. Okay. But even at those scales, they're making district energy work. So they, so they have the density. Um, but energy prices being what they are, you know, there's they can sort of make those upfront investments with thermal networks. Yes. Uh, you know, to supply low-carbon heating to even single-family homes. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's w- the project we were actually working on was actually taking heat off of a primary loop uh, that was higher temperature, and and serving you know sort of uh, lower-density single-family homes from that primary loop. Cool. And so the, we're not there yet here, but. I mean that's i think where we're going lower temperatures right. right lower carbon yes yeah and uh, so again we're kind of seeing the future a little bit uh and, and how they integrate renewables at those lower temperatures
0: so you said you 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 did a bit of an assessment of why it was working there and why it hasn't taken off here is there mm-hmm. is there one or two gaps you know that that we have or we're behind here or we don't have this or what was your assessment of why we're not doing
1: that here? I mean, one thing is the, the way they plan their cities. Okay. It's kind of more amenable to those sort of networks because of the you know the upfront capital costs. You want things to be dense and yes. have that mix of uses that really helps. Higher energy prices there really okay. are a strong motivator to look at alternatives to fossil fuels, right? Yeah. Um, but then you know, just just in terms of governance as well. Like, there's some things that don't translate well. Um, we just have a very different approach to I think thinking about. Uh, Sort of uh, local energy solutions. Right. Um, So, but I think we're headed in that direction. Okay, yeah. Um, And I I learned a lot that is translatable, but, you know, like anything, it's you know, there has to be a lot of interpretation to, to sort of transfer that policy or that S- approach.
0: So there's kind of, if I hear you correctly, three things. One is just that the cities are denser, just, yeah. you know, 100 years ago or 200 or 300, whatever they, they made them denser. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of the, the the pricing of the commodities, mm-hmm. but then there's this mindset shift, is that right? That, that, yeah. w- that you are starting to see, but there's a gap in, there's a there's a mindset in Europe that we're moving towards but we're not there in terms of community energy.
1: Yeah I think so because we're uh, we're very much here more about you know uh, business-to-business type relationships right over there there's a lot of senior level of government support to do these things mm. whether the utilities are owned by government or not I there's see. a lot of investment from from government in these types of systems whereas here it's really about you know the opportunity for businesses I think to capitalize on that trend and we're starting to see that which is great but, but uh, government sometimes plays a role in accelerating things yes. and we're not we've been kind of up and down with that in Ontario yeah um, but I think ultimately we're seeing in Toronto at least businesses starting to you know move in that sort of low-carbon energy developer business model we call it they're yeah. going there anyways okay okay so it's it's positive for cool. sure mm-hmm. so
0: you said about five years or so now with the City of Toronto is that yeah. right yeah so talk to me about your role what you're focused on um, of what your mandate is in mm-hmm. your role
1: so my my main job has been to build a relationship with city planning oh. uh so so city planning you know, there's a division that deals with all aspects of new development in toronto okay and so my role has been to connect energy at every level with the city planning division so okay. from you know broad official plans that cover the whole city
0: yeah to sort
1: of neighborhood plans so that's when we do community energy type plans yes right down to individual buildings okay. we do all the compliance review for our toronto green standard oh on behalf of city planning so okay. so w- it's been about basically energy we don't own any assets we're not responsible for sort sort of a, a process within the city so it's about what could we attach ourselves to to kind of give us some something tangible and city planning nothing gets approved without going through them Right. So it's about adding in those energy pieces and getting the industry to kind of think about that as they're doing their typical sort of development, right?
0: Right. So, um, so your your mandate is really to be a facilitator for you know responsible energy development. Yeah. Um. I maybe don't have the phrasing perfectly, but and then your specific approach is you know, seeing the planning department as a key gate in terms mm-hmm. of development, and so you're really focused on, you know, kind of. Latching onto them and, and making sure that energy is in the back of their mind with everything, or maybe not even the back, front of their mind mm-hmm. in terms of everything that happens, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So that was one main thing. The others, we do a lot of our own projects as well. Oh yeah. So yes. we've done we've done a couple of uh, district energy projects, combined heat and power. So we we lead by example as the city, and yes. we learn from that to kind of. Um, Craft the right policy framework so for the industry to respond to. Right, okay. so we, we want to be policymakers based on practice.
0: Oh, so, yes. So
1: we so we learn from the projects that we do, so we get it right when we kind of push the industry to do that. Okay. Um, and that that's a big part of the city's role is sort of leading by example. Yeah. Uh, doing things that maybe the private sector uh, isn't quite ready to do on their own. Yeah. Um, learning what works, what doesn't, and then then trying to scale that up as best as possible. Yeah. Are you?
0: It, in terms of private developers, mm-hmm. I would imagine there is a, a sector that are you know I don't want to call them conventional, but you know real estate developers who are you know building multi-res or whatever. I don't yeah. I don't know that space very well. But then, are, is there also a, a development um, industry that you're seeing and engaging with that's, that's focused on the energy side? Like I'm thinking of it as, as an example. We had uh, Diego Mandelbaum in mm-hmm. here from uh, Creative Energy. They're, they're a group that. I think they would call themselves a developer, mm-hmm. but not worried about you know building condos and and multi-res and, and things like that. But but on the energy side, are you are you seeing both? Are you, are you? I would imagine you're interfacing with both. Or talk to me a bit about the development community.
1: Yeah. So we've I guess what we've realized over the last few years is that there's a, there was limited appetite from real estate developers to take on the energy piece of. Uh, you know, so to, to add that to their business. They wanted to focus on developing, you know, multi-res buildings or commercial offices or, you know, what have you, right? Also, there wasn't these, the utilities weren't, w- weren't trying to take this on in, you know, in an unregulated sort of space. Okay. So that's that created room for the energy developer, the creative energies, as you mentioned, you know, the N-Waves, the right. Diversos, Noventa, Subterra. These are, these are the ones that are top of minds in Toronto right now yeah. who are doing projects. And so what they essentially offer is, to, to a real estate developer is we'll help you meet the toronto green standard and we'll take the upfront sort of capital costs of the infrastructure right and and you'll pay us back or your condo board whoever you pass it on to will pay us back over time yeah through an energy services agreement yeah which is very standard in the industry it's yes. just that we're not necessarily for multi-res buildings and things like that so so that's the energy developer business model which kind of it it helps in the absence of a you know in the absence of like you know uh, a, a true business case for renewables today by extending it over twenty or thirty years you can kind of make the business work yeah um, and developers have to meet the Toronto Green Standard like, okay so so it's kind of a, a bit of a win win there's a premium cost but I mean. You know it, it, it's cheaper for them to go with a, an energy developer probably than to try and learn how to do this themselves yeah. for the most part
0: and and that piece of learning how to do it themselves and and we we talk about it in in industrials about you know core competencies right mm-hmm. we uh, we work for a lot of food and beverage and and for them making their product whether it be a soft drink or you know a, a tissue or some kind of commodity or some kind of consumable what mm-hmm. i meant sorry um, that's their core business right yeah. and energy's not and exactly. i would imagine you're seeing the same thing with with you know people who are developing or building or operating you know high res high high rise you know buildings versus they say that's not my core business right that that's Absolutely. that's a penthouse on the roof that i have to deal with you know that kind of thing you're Absolutely. seeing some of that
1: definitely for sure in the residential space uh, and and more specifically condominiums because that you know, the ownership model there is, you know, you build and you you, you sell, you, you don't hold that asset and so you're the developer, you exit. So there's there's no real incentive to invest up front. Some are better than others, don't get me wrong, they, yes. they do it as part of their brand. Yes. But I mean fundamentally, uh, you know, that's something that's left to non-professionals to do. So our advice to or, or whenever we have the opportunity, we, we like to say that focus on real estate development, absolutely. But uh, you know, think about sort of the you know, what legacy you want to leave. Uh, And and what that could look like if you were to partner with an energy developer who can stay around and and make sure that that asset operates well, uh, specific to energy. you know, for for purpose-built rental, for commercial office, and especially for institutions like universities and hospitals, that they'll have sort of on-site energy management and professionals dedicated to that. Yes. And they're motivated from a bottom line perspective anyways. Right. But it's primarily residential and more specifically condos that we're pushing hard to think about that business model. Cool, Yeah. cool,
0: yeah. And and that developer, like the creatives of the world, that energy services provider, like what, you you talk about extending the time horizon. Mm -hmm. Is it because they have a different capital model, or is it is it more a picture of kind of vision of the future? What do you think is allowing them confidence to extend their, their model, which allows them to justify the front end capital of, of district so energy?
1: I, like, I think the probably the, the one thing that stands out is, is most of these energy developers, if not all of them so far, are all backed by large, either pension funds or private equity firms who, okay. um, they're big enough that I think they can, they're willing to, uh, sort of get returns on a, you know, l- less annual returns or, or look out at a longer period of time, uh, thinking about sort of a, just a stable operating asset. So so they're not expecting, you know, 15% returns like, you know, a condo developer would be, right? Okay. Sell and get out. They're in it for the long term. So uh, I think that helps a lot. Yes, yes. Because uh, there, there would not be quick returns with, you know, setting up a new district energy system or right. even a new, there's, there's a, still a cost premium for renewables. We're not at the point yet where... That's the default, right? Right. So I think that really helps. The way they're set up and who funds them essentially makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, I, I haven't you know, dug into that business model particularly, but sure. that—that that to me is the big difference between them and—and and, and perhaps others is that. Uh, th- they've set up their business in a way to kind of uh, yeah. look out 20 or 30 years. Cool. And it kind of lines up with the assets, they're with with the infrastructure they're putting in the ground. Yes, yes. You know, so it, it, I think it kind of works well in that sense for yeah. them. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think they also, I think you're 100% right. And the other piece to that is they also have a, you know, sitting with Creative and we've been with others, they have a vision for, you know, and maybe they have that luxury because of their funding model, but they have a vision that looks out 20, 30 years and they see a world that is that is... Has learned to deal with you know climate change and things mm-hmm. like that, and 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 they're making decisions based on that world and not you know today's price of oil, for example. Right? Yeah, so let's true. let's pivot a bit to kind of a higher level. Talk to me a bit about you know city council. I think last year, kind of big proclamation around you know climate change, things of that nature. Um, I don't want to give any more descriptors because I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> so, but I want to set the table for you to walk us through. What uh, Toronto City Council has done, and Mm -hmm. then kind of want to talk, you know, or what they've kind of said, and then what's happening as a result.
1: Yeah, so back in back a few years ago in twenty fifteen, basically after Mayor Tory came back from uh, Paris, right? Okay. Yes. One of not the most recent, but one of the more recent uh, cops, right? Yes. Um, he, you know, it was it was sort of his big kind of moment in terms of climate uh, after after being elected. Uh, to kind of set the set the stage for what Toronto, I think, was going to do. And there was a group of councillors, of course, who was also very motivated to, to take that on. and They started the process of what would become TransformTO, or Climate Action Plan. Okay. And so so that... Just, we,
0: just to make yeah. sure everybody, so TransformTO, mm-hmm. that's the brand of your Climate
1: Action that's Plan? That's right. Okay. So okay. we've had one since about 2007, and okay. it's, it's gone through a couple of iterations, but the most recent is, is the name is TransformTO. And, you know, throughout, you know, basically 2017, 2018 is when it was finalized, the direction was get to 80% less GHGs by 2050 compared to a 1990 baseline, which was sort of the standard in terms of where most municipalities or institutions were kind of headed. Okay. So, so that was, that that was the main thrust of that is, yeah, you know, uh, reducing emissions in Toronto. Okay. Um, And there was a whole bunch of of specific goals and sort of actions to come out of that, but what happened in 2019? Uh, again, after sort of another, uh, just after coming back from uh, from Copenhagen and from London, Mayor Tory again and council members decided 80% by 2050 is is not good enough. You know, we need to be more aggressive, and so they declared a climate emergency and basically said we need to get to you know zero emissions earlier than 2050. So, so technically, it's net zero by 2040 or by 2050. With a, with a sort of a stretch goal of 2040. Okay. Um, so that's the new, the most recent target. And uh, later this year we'll have the new modeling done to basically show what that's gonna look like. Wow. In terms of what needs to be done to get there. And I, I think the actions are not so different from what they were, just we need to go further and faster.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So talk to me about net zero. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of those terms that can mean a lot of different things to different people. Yeah. In your View what what does net zero mean? Like, how does the math work? What, is, what yeah. does it explicitly mean for you guys?
1: You know, as, as a as a practitioner, for me, it's uh, you know, on, on, in a technical sense, we need to push as far as we can to get to zero. But then, you know, there's going to be some things that are probably out of our control. Yes. So so that net is really what else do we need to do to you okay. know, offset whatever emissions are left by, let's say, 2040. Um, and and you know, there's different ways to sort of offset that. I th- the preference, at least from our perspective, is doing things within the city of Toronto. Right. You know, uh, you know, within the city, generating electricity, right? Things like that. Okay. What we're our messaging, though, really is what we're trying to get to zero emissions because okay. that net piece kind of can can be difficult to explain. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of nuance in it. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. So what we tell the public, and and it's true, we're we're trying to push for zero emissions. So new development, trying to make it zero carbon when you do retrofits we're trying to you know
0: so just you know. to be explicit mm-hmm. for you know, people who might be listening net zero zero carbon whatever we, you've set aside the, the the old approach which was a percentage relative to a previous number that that's this is just this piece of property this city this province or country when you say zero it's it's zero yeah, right just absolutely. to be 100 percent clear that's
1: right that, yeah. that's the message we're taking out we need to get to zero emissions yeah yeah okay, yeah okay. and yeah
0: so your your um transform to has that been updated as a result of of last year's announcement or you're not there yet
1: that's what's underway right now underway now okay so so in may we'll have our first council report basically on um, sort of progress since it'll be the second progress update since wow. transform to was approved It'll you know, and it's only been a couple of years, but it'll show that we're sort of moving in the right direction. Yes. And then later this year, uh, Q4 basically is when we'll have our updated report on TransformTO in a net zero scenario now.
0: Okay. Yeah. So there'll wow. be some some
1: additional modeling work to be done.
0: Yeah. Basically
1: updating the modeling that was done a couple of years ago, and and again, I think I think it's it's largely going to show uh, you know a lot of the same things in terms of the actions we set. Yeah. Sh- shouldn't be very different. It, right. It's going to be. We need to do more of it. Right. And and what other things will we need support on from yeah. other levels of government to to get there? Yeah. Um I think that's that's my sense of where things are going. Yeah. 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 Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um when you look at that zero emissions is that like how big is the circle, right? Is it is it city of toronto buildings is it city of city toronto operations which would include transportation Mm -hmm. is it the city of toronto like how big is the circle in your the the mandate that you have
1: yeah for the most part right now it's scope one and two emissions okay um there is some of course and and just
0: for education scope one is just walk me through scope one and scope two. Yeah, so
1: scope one are the things that you sort of directly generate emissions from. Right, um,
0: burning so, gas in a boiler, that kind yeah, of stuff.
1: Yeah, scope two is sort of purchased utilities, right? Right, yes. Um, and then scope three are the things that uh, there's not a perfect boundary for them, right? right? And so things like cross-border transportation things like that okay so so we're a little bit into that in toronto like sure. uh, i think we account for sort of go train uh, transportation and okay. things like that okay but it's it's not perfect and okay. transportation in particular is 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 a tough one yes so we're moving in that direction though okay. uh, as part of our inventories to account for more and more of that each year okay wow. um and and then hopefully as part of that we get into and i think this is the plan into consumption-based emissions generally okay. so not just travel but also sort of anything that we consume, yeah. you know, generates emissions elsewhere, but, but it's because of our consumption, right? Right, right. And so from the building side, embodied carbon is, is, the, is the new probably big thing that's coming, but just anything we consume really. So, so we're moving our inventory in that direction to properly account for all, wow. all GHGs. Yeah. But
0: it's, it's all GHGs in your case, like where does a large industrial uh, plant fit if, if they're within the city of Toronto's um, boundaries. Where does that fit vis-a-vis your targets? Is that is is that kind
1: of excluded because I mean they have to deal with that on their own or like how does that work? No, they would be included. Really? For whatever wow. whatever emissions they generate, um, you know, on site. And then yeah. what what of course uh, has to be accounted for in terms of the utilities they get. Okay. Some electricity right coming from from out of likely from out of the city. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that that definitely gets included. Okay. Um, in, in the emissions. Yeah. And, and those. You know, the, there's been a lot of, obviously, de-industrialization over the years. Um, in, in Toronto, I think industry accounts for about a million tons, re- relatively small compared to the vast majority of activity, which is, you know, our homes, where we work, uh, and, and getting back and forth between them is really yeah. what generates okay. the vast majority of yeah. of emissions in Toronto. So, wow. so industry, you know... It, it's, it's important, it's, but
0: it's, it's it's not necessarily the, the biggest piece is, is that's elsewhere. Right. Yeah, that's wow. right. Wow. Yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. So another landmark or another big piece i think is the toronto green standard right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can you talk to us about about that and how that how that permeates what you're doing or what the development community might be doing or you know, what yeah. does that really mean, the Toronto Green Standard?
1: So the Green Standard has been around since about 2008, okay. it started sort of voluntarily. It was primarily crafted to deal with stormwater. Uh, we oh, were okay. dealing with basement flooding and serious stormwater management issues in Toronto. Yes. Um, and so that's where it started, okay. but then it kind of evolved into sort of energy or quality uh, and. Uh, that it, 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 It's it been sort of uh, ramped up over the years in terms of, uh, you know, the, the minimum requirements. Yes. The most recent iteration is version 3. Okay. That came into effect in May 2018. And that was a big, uh, sort of, big step from okay. the previous version where we now have four tiers. Uh, okay, yes. Tier 1 being the minimum, and then 2 to 4 being sort of higher tiers that that step up. They're voluntary, but I mean, there, there are some incentives to kind of get there. but. Okay. The bottom line is that the Toronto Green Standard is driving a lot of the activity we're seeing in Toronto. Yes. Because the requirements are are hard as they are and going to get harder, any developer who's looking out several years is going to have to be thinking, at that time, it's going to be, you know, I have to hit this this target. Yes. Um, so it's in their mind now. And uh, that me- that that's starting to change sort of how they up- run their business. Awesome. So th- th-
0: there are, is there, in the 2018 release, are there elements, there are, elements of it that are mandatory, right? Yes, yes. And is the sense that the the bar will, as as dev- as the, the calendar moves and as new developments come in, that bar for what is mandatory will continue to ratchet up? Is that yeah. a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, so the goal is basically by 2030, all new buildings will be net zero emissions. Okay, is that so
0: like tier four? Is that's that in, tier four, okay, exactly. Okay.
1: So, so in the interim, every four years, we'll go to that next level, right? So okay. in 2022, Uh, you know, the current tier two, which is voluntary, one step up above the minimum, that tier two will become the minimum. Wow. So that bar gets raised every time. So by 2030, tier four is the minimum. So you'll only be able to get approved for a net zero building, net zero emissions building starting then. And that's just for the industry at large. The city set itself to be sort of one iteration earlier. So by 2026, we have to be designing- For, For your own buildings. For our own buildings. Yes. And that may even be accelerated. Uh, just late last year, a city councillor basically said, we need to study sort of the cost implications for net zero now. Wow. So, the reality is like we're, we're accelerating at least for ourselves and the industry is already showing some early leadership. Um, so, so I, I think we're going to be ahead of 2030. We're going to start seeing a lot of net zero uh, new construction.
0: And, and what's the feedback been from the development community? Is it is it like, hey, you guys are nuts, you know, this is going to shut down development in Toronto mm. or is it um, hey, this is this is a piece of cake, no problem, or is it somewhere in between?
1: It's definitely in between. Okay. Uh, there's always sort of a, a leading cohort of developers who, you know, embraces the challenge, right? Yes. And then there's those, uh, you know, sort of a- anything energy sustainability related is kind of, you know, just one other thing they need to do. And construction in Toronto and the GTA in general is expensive. And so anytime you're sort of adding to those costs, uh, it's, it's a difficult conversation. But I mean, I think they get the rationale behind it, and they're used to having a green standard. Okay. So the conversation is really about how can we help? How can right. the city help you in I terms see. of incentives? Uh, we have some tools at our disposal to help. Yeah. Um, and th- because there there are some very difficult challenges, um, so it's, that's really about how do we get there, which is a great conversation to have.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how does it um, apply? Like most of you know our work, and and this is, well, not even so much about our work, but you know we're talking a lot about new build but mm-hmm. you know how does this apply to does does this get applied to anybody who's applying for a building permit does this you know are there does, is it triggered by a site plan like how does this get applied to some of the more incremental growth in the yeah. city
1: so it it is triggered by site plan okay so w- whenever you submit site plan you know that that's when you would be okay. be held to a certain tgs level yes um it doesn't apply to all building types okay. industrial are exempt i mean we kind of sort of follow the building code in terms of I see. the OBC in terms of what's exempt and what's not. I see. And then there's size thresholds that anything below 2000 square meters doesn't have to do the full energy model. Okay. So so there are there's some nuance, but most of what we're building in Toronto, you know, last year 2019 we got 178 applications that we that came through our office. Wow. So 178? So, yeah, and Excellent. so we see everything that city planning sees. Okay. And you know, basically we're about 200 and or so per year. Uh, and so that, that gives you a sense of and, and that's just ones that are subject to, to TGS so okay so wow. there, there's a lot of activity obviously and so that means yeah a lot of review to, to do yeah so, so there's a small portion that are exempt but the vast majority yeah th- there's some strict energy requirements that they have to meet
0: cool yeah. and and to achieve those requirements can you give me some examples of like what what are the kind of current sexy technologies mm-hmm. or, or what's coming down the like what, what what are some of the it's one thing to have the standard and figure out how to meet it but mm-hmm. you know let's get a bit more practical for a minute what, what, what are some of the things they're doing to get there
1: so so the TGS right now has three specific since January 1st 2020 everybody now has to meet these three absolute targets okay which are there's a, a total energy use intensity there's a, a GHG intensity and then there's a thermal energy demand intensity okay. the Teddy so for on, the, on the the Teddy is really about your envelope. Okay. It's, it's independent of the heating source. It's really about how good of an envelope do you have? Right. Right. So, so on that end, the innovation we're starting to see is you know lower window to wall ratios, you know triple glazed windows, continuous insulation, accounting for full accounting for thermal bridging. Right. So so there's there's an architectural element to start yes. is how you design that building matters a lot in terms of will you get to that sort okay. of teddy requirement and that's probably the hardest one is because it? Okay. for two reasons one you know the supply chain for things like triple glaze windows the trades for like continuous those things are not fully developed here um, and also architects typically haven't been involved in, in energy modeling for for most buildings in toronto uh, so having to bring them in earlier to work with the energy modeler is okay. a big shift in terms of how the developer runs their their process, right? Okay. So wow. so that's a real challenge for us and we're we're doing a lot of sort of outreach to the to the architecture industry to kinda say you need to start getting involved early, right?
0: And so they're what you're saying is they're used to coming up with this beautiful building, you know, getting it to a certain concept, mm-hmm. you know, getting permitting and then kind of worrying about the energy modeling when you gotta size the boiler. Kind yeah. of thing. And you're you're saying no 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 you got to bring that team to the table here because you're not going to get past first base with us unless you can prove that you're not letting all this heat out into the atmosphere. Basically,
1: that's exactly it. Uh, it it's you know, there's always been talk about integrated design, but we're truly having to go there.
0: Yeah, wow. Um,
1: okay. It don't make the process easier the earlier you engage. It's yeah. just that adds some soft costs, right? There are fees to deal with, but. I think in, in the end, you'll be better off by engaging early. Yeah. So, so that's probably the the hardest one today. Okay.
0: And and so yeah. this is a simple example. Does that mean we're going to see you know you, you drive in Toronto and many urban centers and you see these gorgeous, you know, all glass skyscrapers? We're going to see a change in 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 what those look like. Is that? Yeah. Definitely yeah.
1: on the residential side. Okay. Um, on commercial office, there are some. So you'll start to see maybe triple glazed curtain walls. We're seeing some okay. of that. That may not get you all the way to a Tier Four level, Teddy. Right. Um, but for for now, we're seeing some of that. But definitely, we're going to start to see more proper walls, okay. like uh, with punch windows, as opposed to you know, uh, a window wall yeah. construction. Yeah. Uh, and spandrel, like th- those, we'll start to see actual actual walls with yeah. with with smaller windows. Um, so true assemblies, you know what I mean, right. rather than just sort of component pieces.
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So so that's that affects the architecture and also the trades. Like I mean. Right. We we don't build a lot of walls now, right? It's all right. Sort of precast stuff, but yeah. There, anyways, that, that's that's one thing that we're we're starting to see some innovation in from from so, some smaller projects. Yeah. But cool. that's where everything is going to have to go.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wow, wow. So that's Teddy. Yeah. There's two other components as well.
1: Yeah. So EUI, you know, most people are familiar with that. It's a, sort of a, a metric that's been around for a long time. Yes. And you can't build anything now that doesn't have efficient equipment. Right. You can't even spec inefficient equipment. <laughs> right. So EUI, I think, is pretty easy for most to meet. There are some for a residential commercial, right? Yeah. There are yeah. some archetypes that are have their challenges, right? Yeah. Yes. But we have flexibility where, if we're dealing with a lab, yes. like a wet lab, right. we're not going to hold them to obviously an EUI that is similar to something like a you know a residential building, right? Right. Right. Um, but but that one is pretty straightforward. I think GHGI as well. It's th- that's a new target for TGS. We haven't had anything like okay. that before. Okay. But there's a lot of zero carbon technologies that are available, right? Yeah. yeah. Basically, it means it means a heat pump uh, coupled to you know. To some kind of low-carbon source, whether it's the air, the earth, uh, you know, sewer heat. Yeah. But but that's sort of in terms of the trajectory of what we're seeing. Yeah. yeah it's, we're basically electrifying buildings. Right. Okay. Uh, and coupling it with a low-carbon heat source.
0: And and when you're electrifying, it's more a heat pump as opposed to an electric boiler or something like that is that
1: electric boilers are an option for sure Um, and that may be how some have to deal with the peak yeah Um, okay but we're not at the point yet where that's sort of you have to do that okay um for now tier one and to a certain extent tier two you can probably get away with really efficient conventional equipment provided you have a good envelope yeah um but but eventually we'll be going to a point where it's all it's all sort of heat pumps and uh, you know, supply or district energy systems could be supplying a lot of your your heating and cooling. So I think that's the direction cool. for sure for tier three and tier four. Now, what
0: do you make of? And maybe this is this wasn't in our prep notes, but when we when you talk to some previous podcasts, we've had folks from Enbridge Gas, and mm-hmm. and so there the, the the big stat they love, and I I quite like it too, is you have an energy electricity infrastructure of twenty five thousand megawatts mm-hmm. in Ontario, and you have a gas infrastructure of about 85,000. Mm-hmm. And so when they hear electrification, things like that, they, they totally acknowledge that that's, you know, we need to get to that GHG you know, um, intensity piece. But they, they say, well, how are we going to move from 85,000 megawatts, how are we going to you know, move that under the 25,000 if, if it's all done on a wires component? Like, how do you guys look at you know heat pumps, electric boilers? Now you have another infrastructure challenge, right? In terms of you know your the company you own, Toronto Hydro, mm-hmm. how they're going to handle that? Like, where do you guys? Uh, this is totally out of left field, uh, not on the notes, but what do you? Where are you guys at with that?
1: Yeah, no, those are some serious issues that we're grappling with. You know, electric vehicles as well. Bingo. Uh, everything is sort of electrifying in terms of the the plan, right? Yes. We're fortunate to have yeah a low carbon grid. Yes. Um, and so we but but yeah the infrastructure there's going to need to be a lot of a lot of upgrades done to the infrastructure both on the distribution and perhaps the transmission level as well. Yeah. Um, I think there are some there are some ways to kind of mitigate some of that in terms of managing things smartly like you know Toronto Hydro I think would would love to charge electric vehicles overnight you right know, help fill in some of those gaps. Heat pumps, because we're heating dominant, would be more of a winter, a winter issue, right? right. So, wh- where we have some more spare capacity, right? Um, but yeah, ultimately, so we need to do a lot of conservation. Yeah, we, we right. definitely do that. Great we point. We need to do that anyways because you know the grid, you know, when, when Pickering shuts down in 2025, probably be replaced with gas plants unless we can sort of conserve our way out of some of that. We'll need to do more distributed generation for sure. Yeah, uh, w- like within the city, especially where there's distribution constraints, um, storage uh, prices are dropping pretty rapidly, right? That that can help. Yes. yes. So it's going to take all of those things. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. we want to avoid, you know, the, the doubling of of our of our because electricity is already expensive, and so I, I don't think there'll be an appetite to sort of double the infrastructure. Yeah, we'll have to look at ways to avoid. Uh, and, and so it's all of those things I think combined to a certain extent. Yeah, and yeah. I think
0: another piece that fits there too is we need to green the gas the gas grid too, right? Right. And whether that's you know a power to gas with a hydrogen play or it's renewable natural gas, you know it's 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 it's, it's albeit it's one technology or one approach, but mm-hmm. we have to look at it holistically and say. You know, my friend Richard Laszlo would say, you know, this is where we're moving. Mm -hmm. It's up to, you know, folks like us to figure out how we're going to get there. Right. And that's what this discussion really is. It's not a matter of are we going there? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, your green standard is out there. The 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 transform to is out there. That's Mm -hmm. where we're going. Yeah. Uh, But these are these technical questions have to get answered. But, you know, we've answered them as a society in other ways, in other parts of society as well. That's what society does. We solve problems as technical people and engineers. Uh, but I do think in this case we have to have a really broad uh, portfolio approach to to how do we answer these kind of questions. I right?
1: totally agree. And, you know, we're doing we're doing an RNG project, a couple of them now in the city through our, our sort of our, our not at landfills but at our organic uh, collection facilities. Right. Yes. And injecting essentially renewable natural gas into the into the Umbridge pipeline. Yeah. And so there's 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 some capacity for that i think with, with rng my sense and from what i hear from Embridge, is how much can we can we reasonably do not only because of how much uh, how many sources are available within sort of a, an area but also like the infrastructure needs some changes as well i think yes. to accommodate that so i that definitely is going to happen in yeah, my mind yeah so again like the transform to probably the the ultimate thing that came out of it was you know that typical waterfall sort of diagram or that wedge of all the slices of things that have to go in to get to that, you know, at the time 80% and now net zero. Yes. It's going to be every single thing. Like, right. There, there's no reason to discount anything at this point. Right. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. It's, it's you know, and I think we, we, in this province, we've always had an electricity first mindset, mm-hmm. just because we've been so hydroelectric dominant, mm-hmm. you know, Sir Adam Beck and things of that nature. But, and so sometimes I think we get into that friction of electricity versus gas or electricity versus thermal, but you know, the, the, there's too much of a crisis. We just got to set that aside and say, you know, everybody's going to have a chance to compete here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's make sure we're looking at the right metrics to evaluate it. Let's 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 compare apples to apples. But everybody's going to have a chance here because it's a big problem and we've got to solve it. Right.
1: And we're growing like it's, you know, the GTA uh, and you know, Toronto last year added 80,000 people. GTA was well over a hundred thousand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the pie is expanding. Yeah. So let's let's not hold ourselves back. Let's innovate, right? Uh, but I think there's room for everybody to kind of play. Bingo. As long as we all ascribe to the same ultimate goal, then that's what matters, right? Right. But yeah, again, no reason to discount anything at this point. Yeah. So
0: back to these tiers for a minute, are, are we at the point where we have like, Tier three or tier four buildings, you know, being developed or built or in operation, or how, how far are we progressing towards that?
1: Yeah, so because version three only came into effect in 2018, right. Nothing built under that standard yet under that version okay it's, it's just too new right and right sure anything that would have submitted site plan even in early 2018 it's probably still a couple of years away from being built yeah. just the nature of development in Toronto understood but there are definitely buildings that, that are performing at those levels oh yeah yeah okay. like you know we up at, at York University the new McEwen uh, Centre which is an extension of the Schulich School of Business yes um, that building is performing at tier 3 levels okay in terms of Teddy and EUI and I think it's at close if not there For carbon at tier four. Really? So, again. And that's
0: based on actual operating data? Yeah, yeah. That's
1: what we've seen on some initial data. Okay. Um, The reality is, like, there's probably many other buildings. It's just that because they weren't, uh, we didn't model those buildings under version three. Right. We don't know for certain. But I mean, there are buildings out there that, uh, you know, probably at some leading institutions who are already at that level because they're motivated to do it. Yeah. We are starting to see applications for for tier four buildings. uh, the one that comes to mind is the George Brown College's Arbor Building, which okay. is on Queen's Key. Okay. It's oh. going to be a mass timber building. You know, it's it's going to have base. It's going to be a research institute for mass timber. But then on the on the energy side, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to use deep black like, water cooling. It's going to have solar PV. Uh, you know, a lot of the heating loads will be my heat recovery. Yeah. So it's it's doing all the things to that we believe it's going to get to tier four. Yeah. Uh, and we're we're starting to see more that we haven't formally sort of reviewed them yet. So we know they're tier four, but they, they're they're on that path so cool. and again it's, it's mostly the institutions yeah, yeah universities yeah, yeah. and colleges are really sure. leading in this space Yeah,
0: i was two, two things on that, that that last piece i, w- I was at a the international district energy association mm-hmm. idea uh, they had their campus they have two conferences a year and the campus one is, is primarily schools and mm-hmm. some hospitals but primarily schools and what struck me was these you know these directors of utilities and, mm. and people of that or VPs of energy you know that kind of place on the org chart are most of the people who are speaking and giving presentations and the pressure that they get with the new crop of students every year yeah. saying, "What are you doing with my campus and my tuition dollars uh, and my parents' donations? What are you doing to move the needle right mm-hmm. and these students come in fresh they don't have a concept of what has been done over the last 20 years to make York University the campus it is today, for mm-hmm. example. All they care about is what are you going to do tomorrow? Yeah. You know, to, and, and, and if you're not going to do something tomorrow, I'm 18 full of piss and vinegar, and I'm going to you know, take some activist approach here and mm-hmm. get something done. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm baffled by... Or I, I, I'm not baffled, I, I get it what I guess I was ignorant to the the challenges that they have, you know, and the reality that they have, that's quite something.
1: Yeah, no, like, uh, you know, the universities and colleges, I've been, I've been sort of working with all of them very closely lately because uh, different contexts, but we want them to succeed because uh, the buildings will be different. But but if they can succeed in getting to tier four net zero buildings, that will, I think, help the industry at large kind of move along in that direction.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: And they're all doing they all they all have sort of low carbon action plans, they all have projects that are underway or, or planned to get to net zero. They're doing steam to hot water conversions of their thermal networks. They're integrating renewables. They're, they're all doing it. Yes. And so so it's really exciting. And you know that's something that I think you know we're interested to to showcase as well. Cool. And uh, yeah, we want them to to succeed. Not only you know because we're at the city and we want them to meet the TGS and transition right. objectives, but also because like you know I I only graduated from New York a few years ago and it's like. I see a huge opportunity to educate the next Bingo. class of, uh, to educate the next workforce to be in energy and high tech space to attract talent, right? To kind of, to, to kind of have that to, to innovate, right? And, and build on the success we already have with yeah. both secondary here yeah. for the next generation. Um, as well, and, and the beauty about it, educational institution is you learn right on your campus with a real project. Yeah. You know, the living lab experiential education component. Yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity there. Like I'm I'm really that to me is a win-win yeah. if you're a university today. Um, so so I think they're they're going in that direction for sure. And and part of my role lately, anyways, is to is to help them do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad
0: I'm glad you're seeing that because <laughs> I, I graduated from Mac and mm. it was about five years after I graduated, was the first time I was in the steam plant at the campus Mm. and as a mechanical engineer i lamented now i could have you know taken ownership of my own learning and figured out how to get my butt in there too but you know here you have this beautiful steam plant Mm -hmm. and took me five years post-graduation to actually go there for the first time right Mm -hmm. so i think that experiential learning thing and that mac is the same way it it is changing it's getting better totally um you mentioned previously about george brown's Mm -hmm. new building and you use the term mass timber. Mm-hmm. I think I know what you mean, but yeah. but explain that to me.
1: Yeah, so it's ma- like log
0: cabin kind of stuff. Like, what, what, well,
1: yeah, I guess I guess it's like the modern version of that, essentially. Okay, yeah. Okay. So it's I'm not like a you know an sure. expert on it, but there's different types of mass timber construction depending on is, is it a beam, uh, is it a, is it a wall, is it a floor? Okay. But but essentially, it's construction with wood. Yeah. Um, you know, there's 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 CLT and there's you know glue lamb, which is yes lamb. there's all kinds of you know nuance but but just generally speaking it's construction with wood and
0: as opposed to concrete or steel yeah okay. and,
1: and the driver there is really embodied carbon right. uh, which is which is the the carbon associated with manufacturing things yes um so so wood and there, there's always nuance but wood is generally speaking lower carbon than concrete and steel. Now there, there's all kinds of innovation happening with with concrete and steel to kind of bring down those carbon footprints, but I mean wood is also something that sequesters carbon, Think right? Of, yeah. So there's a so there's a so we're seeing again all the colleges and universities pretty much have a mass timber building planned. Okay. In fact, they're pushing OBC to have relaxation of the six-story limit. Okay. I think they're pushing to about 12 stories. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so that's going to happen. That's another thing that we know is going to happen. The thing is, like, we hope it can also spur, like, a lot of activity in, in Ontario. Um, right now, it's all coming from BC and Quebec. Uh, all yeah, the the, the, it, product. the actual
0: material. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: But that's, of course, because the product is there, that's where the expertise is as well. Right. But Ontario's forestry sector, like, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's declined a lot yes. recently, but there's no reason we couldn't help revive that, you know, and have wood shipped from, you know, within a few hundred kilometers to Toronto to build. Um, and there's a lot of local economic benefits to, to having that back. So so that's part of the benefit of, of moving towards mass timber as well, as it cool. can can help the region as a whole.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious. What's old is new again, right? Like Actually, yeah. That, you know, even I'm, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about um, the, wi- you know, windows and moving towards more conventional walls, I'm thinking back to, you know, you go to New York City or any big city and and you have you know concrete and very small windows right Mm -hmm. we're going to see a it's probably going to look a little different but we're going to see a bit of a return to that style of architecture as well I would imagine.
1: I think so So when when you look at any passive house yeah it's very easy to it's very easy to tell the, the difference of the architecture, right? Yeah. The yeah. thing is like I think I think we've we you know the, the pendulum always swings back the other way. We, right. we we went this whole route where everything has to be all glass, but then people put a couch in front of the window and, <laughs> and they have curtains and it's like right. we don't you, you don't need all that light and solar gain. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. I think we'll we'll find that that happy medium. Sure. I think there's a lot of benefit to having yeah. a really good envelope aside from energy in terms of, you know, quietness and you know air quality and, and things like that so cool um, I, I think yeah that, that's definitely a, a trend as well
0: you yeah. mentioned some of the stakeholdering you're doing with universities and, and, and colleges um, what about different levels of government are mm-hmm. you are, what, what does it look like for the city of Toronto to work with the province or the the feds and mm-hmm. I, in this particular energy space
1: as you can imagine right now the we, you know to be fair we don't have much of a relationship right now with the province right um, post 2018 you know cap and trade was cancelled right Uh, that that we we, we always have a relationship don't get me wrong understood but but things were you know maybe uh happening they were more accelerated under the previous government yeah and so for now we're kind of just rolling with it you know okay uh conservation programs were canceled we had to deal with the fallout of that and we're just kind of seeing how things progress ultimately that will change like with anything but for, for now, that's not really going anywhere. With the federal government, we're, we're kind of waiting for them to make their move in terms of new programs to yes. come out. Okay. Um, I guess post-budget, we'll, we'll know a bit more. Yeah. But we, yeah. we expect some serious investment, you know, based on what they've said in terms of green infrastructure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, whether it's directly to municipalities or... Through the uh, through the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, yes, yes. or or the Canada Infrastructure Bank. There's all kinds of, but but so far it's, the rollout has been a little bit slower than maybe we would have hoped. But right. yeah, so th- with with the province, I think with the feds, it's about the money. I think with the province, really, maybe what we'll work with them on in any case is like authorities. Yeah, we as a municipality, like even as a big one, we're as we have the same authorities as pretty much any other right. one in Ontario.
0: And that's in some ways pretty limited. Yeah, very yeah, much so, yeah.
1: and. I'm not i'm not you know there's there's different reasons why we would want more of it but in energy specifically you know the building code and the tgs there's always a tension there right right um there's all kinds of things that make it once one
0: thing that we see is is uh, air permitting you know mm. so if you want to move to biomass or things like that there there's a bit of a void in terms of mm-hmm. you know permitting that matches today's technology right yeah. so there's that's that's a great way to shape it you know you get the feds with the you know Moneybags Trudeau and you know, the Feds, and then you have the province. But you need two different things from yeah. from two different groups, right? Uh, yeah, that's exactly. And it. At, at the same time, I'm getting the sense that at the same, you guys aren't waiting, right? You're moving no. ahead. You know, you'd
1: love to have their support, but you guys are going to figure out ways to move ahead regardless. We right? have to, and we're really fortunate in the city to have the staff complement that we do. You know, our, yeah. di- our division is at least eighty right now. Whoa! Which, wow! You know, that's huge for an environment and energy. Totally, group.
0: I had no idea. Yeah.
1: And so we're very fortunate to have that because it means we have the capacity to do a lot, uh, irrespective of of what the other levels of government are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some fundamental things that we can't do without their support, but yeah. there's a lot we we can do to move forward and to support the industry moving forward. Cool. So so we're really really fortunate, and TransformTO played a big role. You know, five years ago we were maybe half of, uh, you know, we've. In the last couple of years you have really added people because councils made the decision to fund this as a priority
0: yeah they're putting their money where their mouth is exactly yeah that's exactly. awesome cool. yeah
1: so it's a great time to be in that space yeah yeah, yeah.
0: wow this is this has been great mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a space of the energy world that i because it's municipal and it's you know largely less less industrial more development it's mm-hmm. something that i personally haven't had a lot of exposure to but you know it's a it's it's interesting when you get into stuff like you know mass timber and and the, the walk the technical stuff we've talked about but also the macro stuff in mm-hmm. terms of i had you know that shows how you know focused on industrials i am is, is i had no idea i, I guess i st- stood back and i could see it but how small of a piece that is in terms of your your whole picture at the mm-hmm. city so this has been great um Now you're clearly passionate about this are there are there other things we haven't talked about that you're like i'd love to talk about this or maybe your own personal energy journey or you know we we got a couple minutes left Mm -hmm. anything else we've missed in this Great conversation.
1: Yeah, like in in the prep notes, I was I was excited that there was a question about cycling because like okay, I'm a okay. I'm a big cyclist. Yeah, um, you know I'm big on transit too. Like I got here on the Go Train. Yeah, but I mean that's not for everybody, right? Right, right. But I uh, last year or two years ago, we we moved from sort of downtown to uh, East York, okay. which is so we're about between ten and fifteen kilometers from work. Yes, and I bought an electric-assist bike. Okay, and like just sort of transformed the commute, right? Cool. Uh, on my on my regular you know analog bike, let's yes. let's call it. of the week in the summer i was kind of tired right doing doing it was 20 to 25 kilometers a day yeah and that electric assist like it's it's fun you still get exercise and like it can replace a car like we don't have a car wow and we can we can live car free in an area that is not downtown yeah and i'm really bullish about the future of electric bikes and I think the more people ride them, they'll, they'll see how fun they are. And yeah. then the infrastructure will get there because there'll be more and more demand for it. Right. So like, yeah, I, I love cycling in general, but like, I think electric assist is is going to take off.
0: And dumb question, but that's like a hybrid, like you, you're charging it. At, well, you, you pedal and yes. the battery kind of, oh, the battery, is a battery and motor, yeah.
1: is, motor supports you a little bit. Okay. So it the, kind of. And yeah. the
0: battery's charged how?
1: Wall, wall outlet. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
0: there is a wall outlet. Yeah. Okay. You just okay. plug it in
1: and. And then
0: wow. yeah so no car no no car payments no insurance no, no fuel no. wow <laughs> yeah so I mean there's a there's a, not everybody it doesn't work for everybody mm-hmm. right uh, but uh, but there's a there's an economic advantage to that too right huge uh,
1: totally I put 3,000 kilometers on it this this past year yeah and uh, you know and then that doesn't account for my other trips on the, the, the analog bike right yeah. so look again it's not for everybody but I think there's there's sometimes a hesitation to get into cycling because yes. it's like you know bad weather and uh you know i don't want to be sweaty and things like that and yeah honestly the electric assist bike like i know i, I sound like i'm preaching here but it's so much fun and yeah. i uh, i would encourage anybody that's cool that's a huge way to lower your carbon footprint yeah i mean and yeah. you don't have to do it every day no and but it's it's something that i think people don't realize how fun it can be seriously yeah. to yeah. be doing like you know, uh, you know, I'm keeping up with cars, right? Right in, the, right. in the bike lanes, and it's like it's it's really fun. Oh,
0: that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm glad we touched on that. We have a couple guys in in our St. Catharines office, and one of them's here today, actually, Pascal, and we've been looking at new office spaces. And he said to me, "Don't make my commute longer." And he bikes in. Okay. And he he bikes in. I think he's an hour one way, and in Niagara. It's it's downhill on the way in and yeah. it's uphill on the way home. Yeah, and uh, I I try to do it more and more as well. I, I just a conventional road bike, but um, we we when we built our our current office, we put a shower in and, mm-hmm. and we said you know people we want to create that space. So we probably on a good on a good day we have five people bike in out nice. of you know fifty, so ten percent. But. Um, I'm glad we talked about that. That, that is a really practical, actionable yeah. step for people to, you know, even if it's it's incremental, right? Like mm-hmm. even if it's one day a week or two days a week, that's a, you know, yeah. you're you're really cutting down on, and you're burning calories, right? Absolutely, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah cool. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, David. This has been really, really fun. Um, the stuff we talked about, Transform to uh, your your green standard. That's City of Toronto website mm-hmm. pretty readily available for people. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay. Transform
1: TO has its own website, uh, a webpage. Toronto yeah. Green Standard does as well. We awesome. have a, a community energy planning webpage and a district energy one that kind of links okay. to some other things okay, as well. Cool. Excellent. So it's, it's all it's all online for sure. Yeah, right on. Yeah. And
0: are your coordinates there or can we, can we link your coordinates in our show notes? And yeah, and, definitely. And I can. People? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a, cool. you know,
1: my, my city email, of course, or my, my LinkedIn profile. Great way awesome. to reach. Good. Me, so. well, we'll make sure we do that. Yeah.
0: Thanks again. This has been, I really appreciate your passion for it and your knowledge of it you're clearly in it day in and day out and mm. doing a lot of good work so mm-hmm. uh, thanks for coming out of the city and spending some time with us it's yeah really fun thanks very Thank really much. Me. good excellent mm. well, given the current environment <laughs> we'll do that. Awesome. <laughs> thanks really, <laughs> Thank you. really appreciate it yeah
1: no this was cool. fun